Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Never too early for a 2022 rookie mock draft. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in Dynasty Fantasy Football. Got Katie Flower here. I am Chad Parsons, official show of UTHDynasty.com. And it seems like every July, August is the latest. We're itching. We're scratching. And it really is time, uh, not just from the Devi lens, from the future Dynasty lens of looking at player value and upcoming classes. We're here. Uh, before college starts off, we've had a blustery offseason here of activity with incoming freshmen. We've got some spring games. We've got some transfers. And we're going to talk about next year's class, upcoming talent in 2022. So we go head-to-head. We go a couple rounds. We do three or four of these. By by the time we get to le- next March, we will have done three or four of them. And uh, it's really interesting. We were talking before the show, heading back to last uh, preseason before college started about you know how the first round, first 10, 12 picks, yeah, got a lot of hits there for, for how it ended up transpiring. Second round, not so much, below 50% in terms of who kind of ended up in the first two rounds or even was declaring for the draft case. So what do you kind of think looking back and sort of the process we do of prognostication? Because it kind of speaks to Devi as a whole of high variance and somebody you're not even talking about could end up being a top five pick and someone you kind of think is right there and likely to be there can end up going outside the top 25. Yeah, that final college season for these guys, whether they're juniors, redshirt sophomores, seniors, whatever the case may be, the final season really does have a big impact on their NFL draft potential capital, as well as the buzz, the hype, and and all of that. So with the best information that we have, I mean, this definitely points to the fact that Debbie are high risk, and so are rookies. But I've seen some people have rookie drafts in late August going into the season because you have, quote unquote, the most information about them, training camps, OTAs, rookie camps, all of that under your belt. And even still, you get them wrong. So there's no 100% mad science to this whole thing. You take your best shot on the profiles, expectations of vacancies, how much work they're going to get, but you can never predict injuries and you can never predict which guys are going to stay in school for whatever reason that may be. Yeah. And sometimes you can't even, you get all the way to the end. Who was projecting Justin Herbert, right? As the go away, big surprise, super flex, you know, quarterback from, from the class. And looking back uh, again, you look at guys like Seth Williams was highly regarded 12 months ago. And, you know, he's pretty much a dynasty non-factor at this point. And we were looking back uh, someone like Jalen Waddle, 12 months ago, did not have the appeal. Trey Sermon did not have the appeal. And Rashad Bateman, you know, that, that, that they ended up having at the end of the process when most people had their rookie drafts. So we are here. Uh, Superflex is pretty much what we do uh, so that we can incorporate quarterbacks, talk about that position. Because sometimes in a start one, we might go the entire two rounds without drafting a quarterback. So we do want to have every position represented. We'll see about tight end. This is not too tight end or it's not even premium. We're going to go stock for this one uh, in terms of PPR. We've got super flex. And this is one where, again, we, we talked before the uh, talked before the show that we were both putting together sort of our, our big board, if you will, of possible players that we could see ourselves drafting. And usually pretty easy to come up with 30, 35, 40 names. And our 1.0s, we were both in that mid to, mid to higher 20s, which when you draft 24, you're right on that edge of, of having enough. And so we were, we're kind of in lockstep. We're going to talk about that as we go about maybe fall-offs at varying points or a lot of sameness here, uh, just because this is a little bit different animal in 2022, I feel, with some of the information we have at present. 
So we're going to have a great discussion here on the show. And again, if you like, uh, if you like shows like this, we go into great detail about prospects, uh, about the rookie drafting every single off season, you know, rookie drafting and, and, and that season is dynasty season. Pretty much the off season is where you build and sculpt your teams, uh, just like redraft teams center it in the, in the season itself. So if you like that, go over for 250 plus premium podcasts and uh, become a general manager for, for UTH. Uh, so Katie, we're going to do a, a quick uh, odd or even here. So it's going to be a one or two. And uh, what is your selection on this quote unquote coin flip for the one-on-one selection? I'm going to go on. And we've got even. So I am up at one Oh one officially on the clock. And uh, I do see a, a tier here. I think it's going to be interesting. This is our real first dialogue we've had. It's also fun for us uh, in terms of, you know, where are some surprise picks and we're going to find out, you know, who you love. Even a mock draft, you're still putting your name and putting your profile to a player. Um, I'm going to go with a player that I think probably has the highest floor ceiling combination at this point uh, of the skill positions for this format. And someone I really love the, the overall talent. I think it's a conducive system to have a quality 2021 Heisman, you know, odds are in their favor. Spencer Radler here um, out of Oklahoma because, again, the weapons... I've been sniped! <laughs> sniped already! Oh, this is going to be terrible. Um, but for Radler... You know he's I, my guy! I would like... Well, maybe you should guess better. I would like... Uh, <laughs> I would like... <laughs> I would like it if he uh, was a bigger frame. You know, we've seen some of the... Uh, uh, some of the documentary type type uh, reporting that you know he's he's trying to bulk up. He's still relatively slight, but the sling it arm talent, any angle, uh, I love all that, and I I think this. I don't think this season is going to hurt his draft stock at all. So I think he has a reasonable chance to go one hundred and one, and I think he has a really good chance to be one of the top one to two quarterbacks off the board. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, and that's who I would have taken had I gotten the even instead of the odd. But that's okay because the consolation prize at 102 is another really good. There are two really strong quarterback prospects in this class. And then there's so many. There's a handful of other guys. Who's going to be the QB3? But the QB2 is pretty clear right now. And that's Sam Howell out of uh, University of North Carolina. His stats and Spencer Rattler's stats are very, very similar, including their passer rating, including their adjusted yards uh, per attempt. I mean, Rattler runs the ball a little bit better and has more of a higher touchdown rate when he runs the ball compared to Howell, but passer rating is almost identical. And he's had a couple seasons under his belt. He's losing a lot of weapons. That's a big question mark to a lot of people this year in the Debbie community, but give me Sam Howell at the one Oh two. Yeah, uh, he has a ton of of Debbie support, and I think he's a dark horse. You mentioned the weapons. You know that's going to be a key. They have had some transfers. They've got Diami Brown's brother, who was I think a redshirt freshman last year. So could he be someone that ends up being a bigger factor? And basically has to be. You know they're losing so much with Daz Newsom, Diami Brown. Uh, they're two running backs. Um, but this is the sort of season where. If he's able to, you know, uh, elevate, you know, be be one of those tide risers, um, you, you know, for that entire offense, it's going to show really well. Even if he technically, quote unquote, declines a little bit for uh, for his overall numbers, I think it's going to be understandable to some degree. And can he play big is going to be the biggest thing. Um, this is probably the toughest pick of the draft for me. Uh, when I was kind of putting this together, I figured, you know, one, two, you know, if I got to look at Rattler, that would be pretty easy for me. Um, so that worked out. But uh, with the running back position, um, I've always been, you know, on this side of the coin, which is I'm going to take it 103, Isaiah Spiller. Um, he is crazy young. Uh, he's already in the top 5% of the model. He's prototypically sized at 220 pounds, and he's a good enough athlete. He's already over 50, 60% um, in the model scoring there. And again, he, he's one of the youngest. If you can get a running back that's early declaration, and that's obvious with what I'm going to say next, but that is 21.5 years or younger when they enter the NFL, their floor outcome for the NFL draft, for fantasy, all that is very good. So Isaiah Spiller, 21.1 if he comes out and I expect him to. And yes, 
They brought in they they have a really good running back core, but we're gonna get one more season in the sun at Texas AM for Isaiah Spiller here. And he was a good recruit. He's already put together a two-way profile. He's got the size, he's got the athleticism, and frankly, can the NFL get here soon enough for him? That's a good pick. Sniped again. But the consolation prize here again is another really good <laughs> running back yeah. who has the size, the speed, the elusiveness, everything you want in a three-down. NFL bell cow type back, Brees Hall, Iowa State, 6'1", 215. His stats are a little bit better than Spiller. And some people like him a lot more than Spiller with his elusiveness and able to break tackles, his contact balance, all of those intangibles. His rushing average, 5.3. His receiving average, 9.4. And he's got as much receiving chops as Spiller. So again, I don't look at this as a loss. These four guys at 101 to 104, very solid, which Again, the whole point of this illustration is to try to help you understand what your 2022 picks value at and whether or not you want to trade them away and go to the 23 class or whether you want to keep them or hoard them and get more. So, so far, four very solid players, four very solid picks. Yeah, we and the one thing with those two running backs that I would add, because they are going to be uh, attached, you know, you're going to hear them discussed a lot simultaneously, uh, just because I do think there is a gap or, or potential gap with what we know now, the information and the profiles we have is are either one going to go on round one? You know, we didn't know technically 12 months ago that we were going to have, you know, Travis Etienne or Najee Harris. We ended up getting two. But, you know, projecting a round one running back is tricky business. I mean, I, I thought Jonathan Taylor profile wise, you know, you asked me, you know, a year out or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, he's going to be there. Ended up not being there. It was Clyde Edwards-Alaire and with the last pick. So that's one variable. And I think when you're drafting running backs, you got to draft guys that you're comfortable with their profile if they end up going you know, earlier on day two, even if it's not round one, you would love round one, but you got to draft a profile that you're going to like, even if the the pedigree is not optimal in round one. All right. Uh, one Oh five here, and I'm going to switch positions. Uh, it's not going back to quarterback. I'm going to dive into wide receiver here and I'm going to take, you know, maybe he's not the highest floor guy, but I do know. And I do acknowledge because I have some, some Debbie shares, I, I think the floor could be interesting with, with how this year ends up transpiring uh, at Arkansas because he had a teammate that was productive the year before out. And so Traylon Burks had a massive season. Uh, his profile is such that uh, it's tough to find guys that are his size with his movement ability. We're talking a legit 6'3", 225, 230 plus, and yet he is a 4'4 guy. And he's got huge hands. I've already found that online. He's a little bit on the older side for an early declaration, but almost 22 miles per hour max speed. And he's produced. Now, he hasn't produced at an elite level uh, by the model's measures, but you're talking about a guy with his combination of size and movement. He feels like a baby deer out there of just learning. He's just learning uh, the position there and learning what he could do with his frame and movement. But highly promising last year. If there is a lauded man, look how he, his size, his movement, and the fact that he did produce two years. If we're looking back at 2021, I think he has potentially the highest ceiling of any wide receiver for the class. If there is a go-away profile here, I do think it is Traylon Burks. And you're just stabbing me in the heart, taking and, and dropping every last piece of blood out of my body. It, it just, man, that's my guy. And I really was surprised that you took him after some of our conversations earlier this season, but he's absolutely an alpha in the NFL and he's got a lot going for him. They lost Mike Woods at Arkansas. They've got a new quarterback, KJ Jefferson. Um, he's a second year player. So he's been around the offense a little bit should help stabilize um, with Sam Pittman's second year with the, with uh, the hogs. But I really thought you were going to go with David Bell, who's who I'm going to have to take here. And to me, there is a big drop off. I like David Bell, Purdue. Um, I'm disappointed. I, I really got to say I'm disappointed. And I didn't think that was going to happen, but it is what it is. And to be disappointed and still get a guy like David Bell, who has a 
high athleticism. I just don't think that David Bell in the NFL is going to be an alpha like Traylon Burks. Like Traylon Burks could be, right. Right, like like he could be. But he is 6'2", he is 205 pounds, averaging almost 12 yards per attempt, had a big, big freshman year with Rondell Moore injured, uh, over 1,000 yards. He had another with a COVID year shortened with only six games, 625 yards. So he was on pace to add another three, 400 yards to what he had done his previous season. I think a team... NFL team will be very happy to get him. And I'm going to roll the dice that some of my other sleeper guys will be there later, even though you've sniped me so far on every friggin' pick. So, yeah. Well, you every know, every well, single hey, one, Chad. Iron sharpens iron. You know, we do these UTH drafts so you find out what worst case scenario is. Yeah. Learn, well, worst case scenario, I'm, I should have um, traded up. Yeah. The one thing that gets the one thing that gets me for David Bell is I haven't seen many advanced mock drafts with him in in round one for the NFL draft. Like, I really love the profile. But if he's destined to be day two, there's sort of a limited ceiling there. And I've even seen some day three drafts, you know, for David Bell. So it may be more of a Debbie dynasty love and affliction with David Bell more so than the NFL uh, scouts and contingent saying like, oh, yeah, he's a top 50 pick. That's that's one pause. Again, I love the profile and I'm going to be sort of in on him at relative price points. Wherever he goes in the NFL draft, I think he's going to be interesting no matter what. Um, but yeah, I think you know we kind of batted it around already. But Traylon Burks to me has the he could go top ten in the NFL draft. Perfect storm. So and I don't know if David Bell like could he sneak into the twenties or thirties? Sure, I, I think that's possible. Um, but you know he's sort of there and he he needs to have a monster season as you said to continue that momentum. Um, all right, we are at officially one oh seven. And uh, I got a toss up here, uh, two guys. I have a feeling one of these guys will make it to me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little chance here, a little dynasty draft uh, game theory. I'm going to go with John Mechie. Uh, we're going to go another wide receiver at uh, 107. And Mechie has plenty of round one buzz. Uh, for folks that are not tracking, he was sort of an ancillary Alabama wide receiver this past year in the machinery that has been in recent years, the Alabama passing game that I think Mechie is, they brought in a bunch of freshmen other than Mechie. Uh, they don't have a lot of veterans, quote unquote, guys with experience, guys that have been produced and Mechie still needs to produce more. Um, but so this is a little bit of a projection and he has good athleticism, but I will say he doesn't have some rare build six foot one ninety five or so. And he actually took a prep a prep school year post high school. So he's a little bit older. He's going to be a 22-year-old rookie if he does come out after three years, which would be in 2022. But Mechie is like such a common low-level you know, uh, uh, breakout candidate for this coming year because you figure Alabama, it should be the Bryce Young show, but maybe we said that last year. So who knows? But this is a strong offense and one that... Mechie is likely to be the guy. And if he's already getting some round one buzz, some assumptive breakouts, um, just actually accruing that season. And I think he would just be right there as one of the top wide receivers to go in the NFL draft. All right. So I didn't get sniped this time. Yay. Uh, It's interesting that we started off the draft with two quarterbacks followed by two running backs. And then the lineup, Katie, (laughs) we're going straight down the board. Like some people do in a draft by building their lineup. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go with who I think is going to be the quarterback three. And that's saying a lot because there's about seven guys that could end up the quarterback three in this class. The guy that I am going to choose is not the best temperament. He he definitely has a head that I am scared of. But I'm going with Matt Corral and his arm at Ole Miss. He reminds me a lot in some ways of Jameis Winston in that when he's good, he's very, very good. And when he's bad, he's horrid. Um, he's, he's had in college a 67% completion rate, which is pretty good. 9.3 adjusted yards per attempt. Rushing-wise, he's had 182 attempts for 724 yards, which is four yards per attempt, which is pretty good for a quarterback. He's a sneaky running quarterback. He, he can run a lot more than Rattler and Howell. At least he's proven that. 
and his touchdown rate, both um, touchdown to interception ratio, he's got 162 passer rating. So he has the tools. I just question what's between the ears. And I think the NFL teams will fall in love with him because of his potential. And therefore he should be a first round NFL pick a high first round NFL pick. And therefore at one away, I think that's a steal in a super flex draft. Yeah. You talk about a high variance guy, right? Uh, of what could happen to him this year, but also what could happen by the end of uh, April next year. And the one thing he doesn't check the box for me is the touchdown interception ratio. Um, you know, that's like day three quality, uh, but he checks everything else. You know, the, the mobility part, the yards per attempt, the completion rate, um, all of those factors. You wish he was a little bit bigger, but again, it's not someone in, at 5'11 or 195 pounds that we're worried about it in that degree. So um, again, he's a mobile guy. He, he's thick enough. He's big enough. And he checks a lot of the boxes. So like you said, I mean, I, I even think, you know, QB two and beyond, but really QB three and beyond. And certainly some round one pedigree spots are available within that quarterback class next year. So it's going to be pretty interesting uh, to track that. And also in this draft, let's see how many quarterbacks we end up taking shots on. Um, I'm going to go with the other guy I was considering with my last selection. Here we are at nine and I'm going to take uh, Kevin Harris. He's just one of my guys. And I, I know the, pe- my, my biggest thing with him is, I don't think round one is in a spectrum of options like the other two running backs are that went a few picks ago. Um, I think day three is possible. To me, I'm going to say that he has zero profile uh, eligibility for day three. Like None of that will make sense to me if he ends up going day three because it's not an overly strong running back class in general, at least what we know now. A lot of things need to change with some producers. But Kevin Harris, I love the guy. I love watching him. To me, And this is going to be high. I'm just talking about play style and sort of when you watch him move on the field, because he's a legit 220, 225. And yet he has really good get up and go. I've measured him over 21 miles per hour. He reminds me of a poor man's Nick Chubb in the way he runs his style of when he gets square, he goes and they do have Marshawn Lloyd coming back. That him being out last year was a, was a, a good opportunity that Harris took full advantage at South Carolina to have a breakout season. But I think he's going to be over eighty percent, maybe over ninety percent with his size based uh, athleticism score. Um, I think he has a chance to run the four fours, but four fives to me is a lock. And he's a two way producer, so I love everything about the profile. And whether it's here in the later first, whether it ends up being in round two. I'm going to be in on the profile and in on the player with Kevin Harris next year. Well, I couldn't disagree more on him. I don't know that I would have taken him anywhere in the top 24. So that's kind of interesting. Wow. But to each his own and it's very early. So uh, I am very happy at one, at one ten. Uh, first I was a girly girl. Then I was a chubby girl. Then I was a swift girl. And now I'm a white girl. And I'm going with Zamir White out of Georgia. I like that Georgia pipeline. Uh, Zamir was one of the highest talented guys coming out of high school. He's six foot 215, has had some ACL injuries, very common with Georgia running backs. And I think he stayed in school. He was really starting to pick it up. And I think he stayed in school to really prove himself. He has a 5.3 average rushing and 7.1 average receiving both very good but if he can add on one more good solid year especially with Kendall Milton in the backfield I'm sure they're going to split time but give me Zamir White here true or false he has the range of outcomes that he could be the best running back in the class true yeah I mean, he is absolutely, you kind of wonder about the, even if he stays healthy, you kind of wonder about the NFL medicals, right? Like, could he be someone that, oh man, he's a round one, round two talent and he ends up going three, four, five, right? I mean that, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have great feelings, you know, about his durability spectrum of maybe even holding up for that rookie contract. So, but, but man, like Georgia and Alabama backs are the types that you don't have to have, you don't have to sit there and have some massive breakout season to be considered in the top 7,500 picks of the NFL draft. 
that, you know, if he splits with Milton and he technically doesn't get to some age baseline, he is on the older side. He, he could have come out last year. He's going to be 23 if he comes out and he actually has another year of eligibility beyond this. So uh, we will see, but Zamir white is absolutely the short list of players that I want to see him stay healthy. I want to see him a full go. You know, the fact that he was able to be healthy next year, let's continue through the off season and have him. Let's see some highlights from Kendall Milton, but let's see Zamir White uh, really be that 1A of that prodigious backfield. Um, all right. Uh, at this point, you know, I, I think it is uh, pretty interesting at the running back position on who each of us would be willing to take for sure. Um, I think some of the potential question marks at wide receiver are going to be interesting on where we take them. Um, I'm going to go and... I've done it a little differently in the past and Kevin Harris is a sign of that. And you're, I think you're going to see three or four more picks like this for me. I'm going to just take my guys, you know, and I'm going to take, because we're talking late first, we're talking second round of a projected 10 months from now rookie draft. So I'm going to take people that I believe in prospects that, Hey, let's see where the chips fall, but I'm confident. I can't wait to watch them. And I think they have NFL profiles to be very good. I'm going to take Tyler Shuck. Uh, he's one of my guys. Katie's heard about him a ton this offseason, whether it's Debbie drafts, talking, talking, uh, talking Katie's ear off in our own drafts or my own or on interrogation rooms, whatever. So Tyler Shuck, uh, he basically, to me, has a Justin Herbert type profile. Yes, he's from Oregon, but you watch him. He's 6'5", 220 plus, and yet he's mobile. He's mobile and, and he has everything we're looking for. He transfers to Texas Tech and Texas Tech has a system. They produce. They produce passing quarterbacks. Now, you know, Patrick Mahomes went there, but in general, this is a highly conducive system to production. And Shuck has an NFL profile. He is the type that we're not hearing a ton of, oh, top five, top 10 NFL draft pick. We're seeing some round one. I think I saw one mock draft with him at 101, and everyone was just like up in arms about it. And you know what? I can see it. Honestly, I can see, we see quarterbacks rise up by having good, having prototypical traits and whether, you know, guys that are six, one, six foot, you know, 200 pounds, Shuck doesn't have any of these concerns. And I can totally see a rise. You're going to hear about him a lot by November, by January, by February. I could see him over the next six to six to nine months being a guy you hear about more and more and more. And ultimately maybe he does go in the top five. Maybe he does crash the party. So with Tyler Shuck, I think again, taking your guys in Superflex, like you said, with Matt Corral or maybe a few of these other quarterbacks that go, you got to take a stand and say, because if you get like Mac Jones, if you end up getting top half around one pedigree, that's worth a lot in Superflex. That's worth a lot in projecting what could occur. He checks every single box. And again, mobile guy that's six foot five, hard to find going from college to the NFL. No, I like that pick quite a lot. And as I mentioned, there's a handful of guys that could be the QB3 in this class very easily. He's one of them. And I turned you on to him with our Deep Debbie League, which was nice. And I'm glad that I could help. I'm going to stay with the colored running backs. This time, instead of white, I'm going with gray. Eric Gray played for Tennessee for a couple of years. Now he's transferred to Oklahoma. He looked electric in the spring game. They need a running back, and Oklahoma tends to put up a lot of numbers offensive-wise. I could really see Eric Gray catapulting his draft status. He's not small. He's 5'10", 205, good low center of gravity. He's got some decent moves, 5.1 average rushing, 8.6 average receiving, so he's you know, a two-way player. I just like him a lot. Yeah. Uh, production should not be a problem for Eric Gray this coming season. Uh, you know, that should be just an assumption at this point. I would say my biggest question, because you, we are, you know, he is a non-prototypically, you know, he's not 215, 220 plus. So at 205, the athletic standard uh, rises. And I think he's a four fives guy. Now, where in there does he lie? But I don't think, you know, paired with Rattler, paired with that passing game, he's going to produce. And I, I do think he's going to end up being a top 100 pick. Now, how high within that is going to be the question mark. But uh, but yeah, I, I think he's a pretty, at this point, a pretty high floor selection because, uh, again, I don't see him slipping much at all outside of, you know, say injury. And you know what? He may not even declare, you know, if, if that is the status where it truly mars a uh, should be productive season. I'm a, all right. I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a, um, a highlight 
filled and already seeing a ton of buzz uh, quarterback. I am going to take a guy that people are going to compare. Now, I'm not going to. I do not think he's on this level, but he's getting a Lamar Jackson treatment. Lamar Jackson is an absolute unicorn, so I think you pretty much need to go in stop when you start comping anybody to Lamar Jackson until further notice. We'll let you know. We will let you know what a Lamar Jackson um, exists, you know, a potential Lamar Jackson type situation uh, evolving. But uh, with Malik Willis out of Liberty, he has a ton of hype. Uh, he can pass. He is probably looking at looking at a lot of my stats. Uh, I mean, if Trey Lance was the rushing guy for this pass class, Malik Willis is that, wow, what he could do as a runner at the next level is exactly what you know all these coordinators and schemers of NFL offenses say, give me that guy. So with Malik Willis, I know he's coming off the radar from Liberty. He's got a ton of round one, top half sort of buzz. You know, I don't think he's going to make it to 32 like Lamar Jackson did. And we're talking a guy that has checked the boxes uh, at 6'1", 215. He's going to test well. That's not a problem. But the passing has been fine so far. Um, so again, I, I'm pretty optimistic that the floor and ceiling combo is high here. Even though I would have pause with Malik Willis getting all the way to my dynasty team, I think he's got a pretty good chance to be a highlight filled. Look at your, you know, look at your feed of what he's doing this college season and getting all the way to January, February. And this is going to look pretty good late first, early second. And I think he ends up going higher than that. And he ends up being a top three or four drafted quarterback in the class just based on the trajectory he's on already. Yeah, you're you're selling. I'm not buying. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, he's a rusher. I'll notate, I'll notate this for January. We'll see where we yeah, are. He, he, I think he's a fugazi. I think he will possibly raise his draft stock, but I think he's a guy you want to sell very quickly. Um, oh, I, oh he, I, I didn't say I wanted to get him to my dynasty. Right. Team no, and, and yeah. I, again, I don't disagree, but I'm just saying Bo Nix, Bo Nix, who can't pass himself. He has a lousy passer rating, beat him out at Auburn, sending him to Liberty in the first place. And uh, Bo Nix doesn't have anywhere near the rushing upside. He has consistently, as a high school player, he put up 7.7 yards per attempt rushing and in college 7.4. So his rushing upside is there. There's no question about it. He did improve his passer uh, rating from high school to college, which is a good thing. It's a good sign because most regress a little bit when you get up to the higher caliber. Um, I just, I think that he is more of a hype type guy. Yes. You just want to be careful with him. I think he's great value at the 201. I'm, I'm not saying he isn't. I just, I think there's other quarterbacks that are Certainly that are more better. prototypical. Yes. Right. Yeah, that can still rush. But, all right, 202. That leaves me with a lot of different ways that I could go. We haven't taken a tight end yet, but with no tight end premium, it's not a surprise. I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State, wide receiver. I think that just the Ohio State name alone, he's going to get buzz, but he's – had uh, some pretty good production and he's going to have the team more to himself. Although there's a lot of talent, they keep bringing in talent after talent there and uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah. Um, man, you know, I stacked this up in a, you know, hodgepodge fashion. Uh, just give me a, a roadmap here. And the next two players on my board, I just sort of breathe in and breathe out in terms of the variance factor of, of what, what the next six months could be for them. And to be fair, not comfortable with either guy. Um, but yet I don't see good pivots. And we were kind of talking before the before the draft started of where's the line? And I kind of feel like we're around this zone of of the line. And you know, last year, this time, you know, we had about a 33% of like, oh yeah, you know, the guys taken in, you know, three, four of them in that second round that ended up being, you know, in the top two rounds or even higher than that or round one. Um, but the others not so much in terms of declaring just a, a weaved path to to what they became or are still becoming to potentially get to the NFL. Oh, I'm going to go with uh, recovering from knee surgery, wide receiver, 
Mr. George Pickens. Um, I will say his my ball mentality, his get off of me, bro game. It may be unmatched. It is aggressive. And here's my big concern. Speed is not his strong suit already. Now knee, now knee surgery, knee recovery. What does this year look like? He was absolutely projected last year as like top 10 pick. And where does he sit today? So how does this turn out health-wise, durability-wise? With some of the max speed I've seen from him, yeah, maybe he creeps in 4 5 is not him at all. But you're talking about a guy one-on-one, 50-50? No, it's 75-25. It's his ball. It's his ball, and I'm pretty excited. I think Georgia is getting their quarterback room, their passing game together, and Pickens, wide range of outcomes here. Want to see him healthy by the end of the year. I don't think September is going to be that marker for him, but he's one that, again, he was right there, and, and at the top of the class, frankly, one to two years ago, instant producer at the college level, and pretty excited to see how he turns things around as a big-time recruit, started producing 6-3, potential 1A, 1B at the NFL level, and pretty excited, touchdown score, and again, has a lot of the traits you're looking for that are tough to improve when you get there. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go with the first tight end off the board, even though it's not tight end premium, the middle of the second round, and this guy could be a first-round NFL pick, I'm going with Jalen Wattemeyer out of Texas A&M. He's 6'5", 265. If you believe what the college, you know, puts on it. And even if he's 6'3", 240 something, he's still in the range of a good size tight end. Productive wise, averages 12.2 yards, receiving yards per attempt. And I think one more good year. He's got a great running game around him. He's got a lot of uh, uniformity around him. So I look for one more good year. I think I'll take tight end one. Yeah. I'm really excited to see, you know, Baylor cup was a guy that was lauded coming in and it's sort of his, I think back-to-back years now of injury have really helped. We'll see. I mean, we'll see if Baylor cup turns into anything, but Jalen Weiermeyer might want to send him a gift basket, you know, a fruit basket with uh, some of his signing bonus money there because he really opened up the floodgates of pure opportunity for Weidermeyer and he's taken full advantage. You know, it, even if, like you said, even if he's close to that list, NFL size, NFL body already, I would say he should be a good enough athlete. I don't think he's going to be a great athlete, but Average is fine for his elite level of production. 21 years old uh, as a as an incoming rookie, so you're going to love all that. And yeah, I think he's a, a really good Vegas bet to be the tight end one off the board, uh, to be a top 50 pick. Is that in round one? Is that early round two? Uh, but somewhere in that range feels like a comfortable uh, bet, you know, and, and range of outcomes for Weidermeyer. And uh, now we're up at uh, 205. And uh, let's see, I'm going to take another one of my quarterbacks that, uh, again, fits everything I'm looking for. And Phil Yurkovic, and this is a perfect uh, perfect platform to give a give a elevator pitch. Phil Yurkovic is Boston College. I would say, who's he throwing to? And the answer is Zay Flowers as easily his best ta- target. And Zay Flowers is probably not much of an NFL wide receiver. And yet Yurkovic comes in, has his first real starting opportunity after a transfer, he checks all the boxes that, that I'm looking for. Katie and I got geeky in this offseason. We kind of passed back and forth some, some high school information and kind of built out our database of knowledge for high school quarterback play, looking at some of those parallels to uh, to the, the college level. And Yurkovic, I just kept, kept coming back to him. You know, the fact that he, he, he has a good uh, touchdown interception ratio in college and at 6'5", 225 or so, the fact that I think he's sneaky mobile. I see him get out of these situations better than, say, a Jameis Winston who's been sneaky mobile in the NFL, um, a guy that could be in the four eights, which is fine. And he was uh, productive uh, rushing-wise in, in high school for having a bigger frame. He checked all the boxes as well in high school. And now you get to, again, a rough uh, Matt Ryan-type situation at Boston College where you say, what's going on here around him? The answer is not much. AJ, AJ Dillon is not there anymore. So, I mean, again, he is the entire offense. And I think NFL teams are going to see that moxie, 
that toughness, that, hey, we're going to give him better weapons in a better situation than he had in college. And yet he elevated the program and elevated the offense. So for Phil Yurkovic, I say he has one of those round one. Don't be surprised if he's one of those picks because he's a quarterback that checks everything. And, and he's one that, again, if he, if he ends up being a part of the senior bowl or something like that, can't wait uh, to see if, if he's one that I would be able to interview and uh, get under the hood, if you will, because uh, again, Phil Yurkovic, just like Tyler Shuck is one that I see as checking a lot around one boxes for NFL. Okay. And so for our listeners out there, in case you can't see through the weeds of what we are both saying six quarterbacks off the board through 205. What that is saying to me is what we said earlier. There's two top quarterbacks. And after that, there's about six to eight guys that could be the QB three. And rather than take a chance on a risky wide receiver or a possibly middling running back that hasn't done much to date, Chad is erring on the side of caution and going for, I'm going to take the quarterback with the most upside, which I don't necessarily disagree with, but that doesn't mean that this quarterback class is strong. It just means it's confusing. So don't take six quarterbacks in (laughs) five as Wow, this is a great class. Six are going to the top 15 for the NFL, right? That is it also means the questions at wide receiver and and running back and you know, you took a tight end, but will there be another one like so that that's really what we're saying. We're saying right. we it's, wish we had running backs with better profiles to date. It's a fairly weak class after you get by uh about the 106 or yeah, so. First, First six, five, seven guys. Yeah, we feel yeah, we feel pretty five, confident. Six, yeah, five, six, seven guys. And yes, there will be some guys that rise up, and and a lot of this is speculation on that final season. So, with that being said, I'm going to go with a guy that I fully expect, 100, percent is going to live up to every <laughs> bit of potential, oozing, oozing out of his body. All he hasn't said, done it yet, huh? All that said, here's the opposite. <laughs> No, it's just, no, I, I, I really think that this kid could do it. All he needs is one good year because of who he's playing for. And that's John Emery, LSU. He's battled injury. He's 5'11", 215, five-star prospect. He's averaged five rushing yards per attempt, which is pretty good. 6.7 receiving, which is okay. It's not bad. But uh, TDP and him have split the backfield a little bit last year. I fully expect that to happen again. They were a lousy team last year coming off the really great season they had the year before. But I think that a healthy John Emery with one good 2021 under his belt could rise up enough to where at the 206, I'll take that shot. Guys of his recruiting profile, they end up going pretty high in the draft, you know, most times, as long as they produce a little bit. And I don't think athletic testing is going to be a problem for John Emery. So that's one thing you don't really have to worry about on the back end is that, oh, well, what if he's a four, six, five guy? He's not. <laughs> so we can just stop that conversation right here. And yeah, like you said, I mean, what if, uh, what if Davis uh, ends up getting injured? Uh, you know, and so if, if Emory just has a little bit of window and, and just runs with things, and like you said, if, if LSU is just a little bit better, uh, then things could absolutely break right for Emory on the production side as well. All right, I'm going to go high variance and uh, a guy that, man, rewind the tape uh, a year or two, and this guy would have been gone 10 to 12 picks ago easily. Uh, this is going to be a binary outcome. I'm pretty confident this is going to be a binary medical outcome, Justin Ross. And I know both of us love the guy, uh, but the neck, he still has not, to my knowledge, uh, as of a few weeks ago, I think we were a few weeks away, quote unquote, of finding out his medical clearance. Is he going to actually be able to put the helmet on in September and play in games? If he plays and he is like sort of, you're good to go now uh, from that abnormality that they finally caught and did the surgery that, I mean, DJ Yuan Galele, this Clemson passing game, he's going to produce. If he's if he plays, if he is medically cleared to continue his college and football career, he can rival any wide receiver in this class to be wide receiver one off the board, have a monster season. Clemson's loaded, and Justin Ross already has produced to a quality level. So he's one that, again, 
Does he make it to the NFL? If he does, I think it says a lot for how the next six months have gone. I like it. I like it. Um, at this point, there's a bunch of just going off of speculation and what we think could happen. Um, I'm going to go with Brian Robinson out of Alabama. I think he could have the starting job. He's a running back and he's got decent size and um, there's other guys that are more talented than him on the roster, like Jace McClellan, and he's going to have a lot of competition. But I think the job is his, at least at the beginning of the season, and we'll see if he can keep that job. But like any other Al- Alabama running back, uh, again, it, it's name cachet, it's college cachet, and He's 6'1", 228, so he's got good size. He really hasn't had the production that you want to see, but he's also had all kinds of competition. We know Damian Harris, Najee Harris. Um, so I just think that one good – he's not – his average is not bad. 5.0 for rushing and 8.8 for receiving. I think he could rise up. Man, I'm rooting for Robinson. I remember I'm rooting for him. I I remember incoming freshman and you're like, man, this guy could go to a lot of schools in the country and he's going to loaded Alabama as again, not a, not a slouch uh, recruit, but you know, he's not the five star that they can get every single year. So Robinson sat, he wanted the competition. He's a local kid and he just has not gotten much opportunity. Wouldn't it be a great story? If he gets all the way to 2021, waiting his time, biding his time, select touches, and here he is, and he has maybe like a Josh Jacob, like even if it's not early on, you know they have some big big committee going on. But what if when you get late in the in the year in the playoff, whatever, Robinson goes on a run, like that would just be, it would almost be like a like a movie, you know that he finishes that out in that fashion. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was one of the best spring testers years ago uh, of the running back room of all Alabama that was there. 220-something, he ran 4-4-1. So this is a guy that he has it. He has the size. He's on the older side. But like you said, just a smidge of production. Can he just do it? Can he be the 1A or 1B this year? And you know what? That probably gets him on the draftable map, if not higher. Because Alabama backs tend to do that. <laughs> so, so yeah, man, he, he's one of those guys. I, I am rooting hard for him and not because I have a ton of Debbie shares, which I have some, but like more from the, he stuck it out. He didn't transfer. He could have, he could have gone anywhere else, but local kid wanted to go there and he's been grinding for four years. Let's reward him. Let's reward him because they, we know they like to play. Uh, they like to play the, those seniors a lot of times down the stretch or in those final years. Um, all right, I'm going to go uh, again. Just let's see how this pans out. Uh, actually, no, I'm going to pivot Pivot audible. Um, I'm going to go with one of my wide receivers here that um, I really like the profile. Um, I can squint and see someone angular, six foot four, six foot five, um, that again, I see translating to the NFL um, as a number two with upside from there. And that is Drake London for, for USC. I see. I already I, had it written down. Exactly <laughs> I see. Well, we always do the predict the lead-ins. We always do these yep. cryptic read it lead-ins where we know <laughs> the other person will recognize what we're saying, but the listeners will be like, "Ooh, I can't wait to hear what they say." Um, highly productive, and he's hyper young. Uh, he's going to be twenty-one point one, and I've mentioned before, running back same applies for wide receiver. Twenty-one point five or younger is a strong indicator. I do think ultimately his ceiling is day two. I see zero chance that he's round one. Surprise me though, Drake. Uh, put put up some massive season, and maybe we can talk. He does have a quarterback returning there, but hyper young. He's already top five percent in the model. We're getting late. I'm buying profiles and guys that again have been already productive at a young age. He broke out at eighteen point one years old. So I will take that to the bank when we're talking about you know maybe four or five different running backs that I wouldn't be surprised if any of them go next. I didn't think Brian Robinson was going last. So uh, again, I, I have no confidence in my ability there. And I do think Drake London has a very nice profile already built. Oh, and he was a, a dual sport guy uh, at USC with basketball. And with two picks left, um, there's about a half dozen running backs that still have question mark. 
they still have a lot to prove their final season. So rather than try to stick a pin in one of those guys, I'm going to go with my final wide receiver, Chris Olave, Ohio State. Somebody that has fallen through the cracks. He stayed in school, which was a head scratcher. Um, he, he averages 16.1 yards per attempt receiving, which is pretty good. And he's 6'1", 188, if you believe, again, what the school says, what, what they post. He may come in, but he could potentially be a first round, if not a second round NFL draft pick. And this late, he's worth a shot, I think. Yeah. Uh, again, we're, we're telling stories in, the, in round two. Like that's been the theme. You know, you're trying to tell a story of how could this player be a, a first two rounds, you know, we get we get 10 months from now, but B, tell the story how they could be a first round rookie pick. You know, what is that story like? How feasible is it? Do they have the profile and upside to even do that? Um, I'm going to go with, you know, you kind of talked about Brian Robinson in the man. I mean, look at the program, look at the, look at the, the profile of what could be if there's just a little more production, a little bit more of a role. And I'm going to go down the same rabbit hole here with another running back that it's a program that has produced uh, running backs of late, but you cannot find, you cannot arbitrage size and movement. Running back, that is the trait more than the other skill positions that you say that is valuable. You get a guy of a certain size moving a certain way, and when they get to the NFL, it's rare that they go undrafted. It's rare that they go unnoticed, especially when they're a good enough recruit from a good enough program. I'm going to go with Master Teague. And Master Teague, I know. <laughs> I wrote him down. I wrote I him down. I just, I, again, I, <laughs> sprinkle in the, the breadcrumbs throughout the forest here. Yeah. So Master Teague, he's already had his red shirt. And Ohio State, again, he, go and lock and load. He's 220 plus pounds. He could maybe run in the four threes. He's an off-the-chart tester that, again, his floor is so crazy high from a size and movement standpoint. Now, watching him, you know, I think he's rather straight line-ish. Can he really, you know, duck and go go two holes away with some jump cuts? No, that's not him. He's a one cut and go. But you know what? His go is pretty good. His go can take it to the house. So I'm pretty interested. They've got obviously no Justin Fields there, changing quarterback situation. But again, tell the story by the profile. And Master Teague is one that he was owned for a while already in Devi. He was owned going into his freshman season. So he's already been around the block. Now, he hasn't produced very much. The receiving profile is the thing that gets me. I don't think that's going to be his claim to fame, but he does have a marginal rushing breakout season so far. It wasn't last year. It was the year before. But he's already on the map a little bit production-wise. But again, you can't replicate size and speed at the running back position. He's got those two. And I'm going to close it out. I got to go back to the quarterback position just because there's still so many question marks. There's some running backs that I really like like Trey Sanders, Alabama, he's been injured. He just got in a car wreck before the season um, or after the season. He's recovering from that. He's five-star stud, another guy that could have a great one season and then rise up our boards. I like Tyler Algier from BYU who played with Zach Wilson and really got his name and face out on the, the public market. He's got a great average and very productive Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati is another guy running back that I like. Zach Charbonnet, who just transferred from Michigan to UCLA. Michigan is a place where prospects go to die. I'm hoping <laughs> that UCLA can revive Charbonnet. But all those guys that I just said, I'm still going to take my shot on a quarterback that hasn't been taken yet, who has some draft NFL round one draft buzz potential and that's Keaton Slovis out of USC. He's got the good size. He has a 70% completion average, which is very good. His area or uh, average yards per attempt is 8.6, which is not bad. 47 to 16 touchdowns to interceptions, which is 158 passer rating. But he is not, and I repeat, not a rushing quarterback. He's got minus negative rushing yards, which means he gets sacked a lot. And is that his offensive line? Is that him? I think it's a combination of both. You can't go through high school 
at a negative and college <laughs> at a negative do. and it not be partially you. He can't just have sucky offensive yeah. lines both, you know, throughout both careers. So he is a statue in the backfield, but he's a pretty good passer and he does have some NFL round one buzz. And at the 212, I will take that shot. Yeah, you know, I was kind of thinking he has a different build. He's not as big and bulky, but he reminds me of Kyle Trask in the way that he has an okay arm, not a gun, as Greg Cosell would say. You know, that you're not going to confuse him with Matthew Stafford, but he's accurate. Accuracy pays. NFL yeah. values that. Like I think, I think day two is certainly possible. Like, is he a long-term NFL backup with starter upside? Like, yeah. So I, I do think there's some positives there, but like you said, don't expect dual production. NFL wise. I mean, don't expect more than five yards rushing per game, you know, or anything lofty, you know, to even hang. So, uh, but yeah, Slovis, I, I was a little surprised, you know, just in terms of, you know, I think in your average draft, he would have been gone before this point. Um, and yeah, I think another name, you know, that I, you mentioned a few, but another name that if this was a different show, you would hear probably the pundits draft, which is uh, Kieran Williams out of Notre Dame has a lot of name cachet. But yet, I didn't think either one of us were taking him. I just put him on my my big list because he was a notable name. Uh, Bo Nix, you kind of mentioned him in passing. He's a, yet another nice. quarterback. Um, Jaden Daniels is a guy that the more I look into his build, it pretty much doesn't succeed at the NFL level. I like a lot of things about Jaden Daniels, but I'm sorry. I read some interviews that it's tough for him. He's in the 190s, and it sounds like it was forceful to get him there. Like he's not going to be 210 pounds. If he's 190 something in the draft process, sorry, that's a game over. He's going to break. No NFL team is going to take him highly if that's his frame in six months. And I think it will be. It was tougher him to put on five to 10 pounds to get there to 190, 192, whatever. You mentioned Trey Sanders. Uh, I'll just shout out one of my one of my. I can't wait to watch him see what twenty twenty one holds. Sam Laporta is he going to end up being in the top two or three tight ends? But we only drafted one in Wiremeyer, and it just isn't a strong tight end class overall. Um, we had Master Teague, Keontae Ingram with the transfer. He was one that had some buzz a couple of years ago. Um, you mentioned Charbonnet. Uh, those are the broad strokes, I guess. Derek King. Uh, there is another one that seems been around for a while as a, as a notable quarterback name. But again, we, we really struggled to come up with 25 to 30 notable. I could see myself drafting them uh, for this mock. So what are some final points, Katie of, so what, what do you think dynasty owners listening to this should be handling or thinking or hedging with some 22 picks and, and marketplace dynamics here? I think first round picks will still be fairly valuable, but anything second, third, fourth round, I mean, we had all we could do just to come up with the full second round and that's early. Whereas last year we were running through the second round, like it was nothing. Now true. There are guys that rise up and things like that, but the 2023 class is already shaping up to be very deep at running back, very solid at, at uh, quarterback more than solid at wide receiver. So that if you wanted to turn your shares of 22 firsts in a 23 firsts, I wouldn't oppose that. But I think the, the 22 class has some high upside early, but then it drops off much quicker. And or there could be some high risers. It's going to be very volatile what happens this, this season. Yeah, and, and I think what I always, you know, we get questions all the time about like, oh, well, should I just trade my 22 first for 23 first now, you know, or things like that. It's like, whoa, hold on. Let time work for you. Right. I mean, it's so rare that you get a draft class that is so weak and then following one is so strong that you can't trade 110, 111, 112 straight up to somebody for a pick in the following year. So what I say is, hold on. You don't know where that pick next year is. Be careful about this whole like, oh, well, I prefer that. You might want to like, oh, I have two or three firsts next year. So now I might look in a trade to get a 23 first, especially if it's more accessible than next year's first. So those types of things are a different discussion point. But when you just say outright, oh, like all those picks are available in my startup draft. Should I just go after the 23s instead of 22s as like my strategy? 
again, let the time value. There's going to be players we didn't draft that end up going in round one when we get to a, a mock draft next year or even before the NFL draft. Uh, there's risers, you know, that we drafted in round two. Mentioned that with guys like, uh, you know, Jalen Waddle being a guy that was in the second round zone. Uh, Zach Wilson wasn't even drafted by us last summer. Uh, and again, what the quarterback is that position. Now we, we kind of covered it because we talk about the ambiguity and we took our best shots at what we think could happen. Cause that's where the round one guys in Superflex could easily rise, uh, is, is that position with the premium. Uh, so just keep all those things in mind because the time value, it's really early. This is a jumping off point for talking about the strengths and weaknesses of the class and really, you know, some of the profiles that intrigue us the most. And that's really, I think one of the bigger takeaways is now you have a, a list of a few players to watch, to monitor that we are interested in. We are tracking before the college season even begins. All right. Uh, so you can find Katie on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. You can find me at Chad Parsons NFL. You can support the show. Keep listening to it with no ads. Patreon.com slash UTH. In addition to getting some bonus content over there, you can't get anywhere else with Tim Torch uh, and some bonus shows, uh, VIP sessions, VIP chat, etc. And uh, again, UTHDynasty.com is the home to all the premium shows that you hear by uh, Jordan McNamara, Katie Flower, Tim Torch, and myself. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.